Acts of Yeshua's emissaries, the Shelachim, chapter 28. We'll beginning here in verse uh, number uh, 1 of Acts chapter 28, if you'd like to join there with me. Praise be to God. And let us begin. After our escape, we learned that the island was called Malta. I encourage everyone last week, if you can kind of open one page to your maps, you can see and follow the journey that Rav Shaul is on, along with those who were sent with him to accompany him. Its people showed us extraordinary kindness. It was cold and it started to rain, so that they lit a bonfire and welcomed all of us. Shaul gathered a bundle of sticks and was added to them to the fire. When a poisonous snake came out, driven by the heat, and it fastened itself upon his own hand. The islanders saw the creature hanging from Shaul's hand, and they said to one another, This man must be a murderer. Even though he's escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But he shook the snake off into the fire, and it suffered, he suffered no harm. They waited expecting him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after waiting for a long time and seeing that nothing amiss was happening to him, they reversed their opinion and they simply said, well, he's a God, a small g. Remember these people that, that Rav Shul, the Apostle Paul, and the others that were with him, they're going about, he's on his way where to to uh, Italy to appear before the governor, excuse me, the, the emperor of Rome at that time. He had dealt with the governor in uh, Israel, the procurator and all the others that were involved. And so now he appealed to the emperor to hear his case. And so on this journey, we see him traveling roundabout. And so with this, we'll continue in verse number seven. Nearby, were lands belonging to the governor of that island, whose name was Pubilus. He received us in a friendly manner, and he put us up for three days. Think about that. A person who's about to face trial, who's accused as being doing criminal acts, the governor of that whole island invites them to come and spend time with him. Very unique, is it not? Let's continue here. Now it was so happened that Publius' father was lying in bed sick with fever, attacks and dysentery. And Shaul went to him and prayed and placed his hands upon him and he was healed. Going back to verse number six, going a little deeper. The deliverance that the Lord allowed Rav Shaul to receive confirms the justice and refutes superstition and fulfills Yeshua's promises that believers can expect miracles. How do we know this? We have to look to the scripture, do we not? So let us now turn to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. This, these are promises that Yeshua gave to his disciples, his, his Talmudim before he left this earth to be reunited to his father and to present himself to his father. 
And so here we look in Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. And this is Yeshua speaking. And these signs will accompany those who do trust, or in some translations, those who do believe. In my name, in whose name? In Yeshua Jesus' name. They will drive out demons, and they will speak in new tongues, and not be injured if they handle snakes or drink poison. And they will heal the sick by the laying of the hands on them. So then after he had spoken to him, the Lord Yeshua was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. And they went out and proclaimed everywhere that the Lord's working with them and confirming the message by what? Those accompanying signs. See, the Brit Hadashah, the new covenant, was being established. Not by the prophets of old, but it was being established by these new individuals who were called apostles. So that's why we know when we, when we put our trust in the Old Testament, the Tanakh that were given by the prophets, they spoke without error. They did not speak of their own opinion or their own thoughts, but the spirit of the living God came upon them and gave them words for kings and for the people of Israel. And these were recorded for us so that we can know exactly what they said. The promises, the prophecies, they're in the process that have been fulfilled. Yeshua's Jesus' first coming was prophesied by the prophets of long ago. And that was accomplished. So will his second coming. So will his appearing when he comes for his bride. Made up of both Jews and Gentiles. The Lord shall accomplish all this. Continuing, we need more confirmation. Well, was there any of the other apostles that spoke on this? Or taught on this? Absolutely. Now let us turn to Luke chapter 10. And we'll look at two verses here. Luke chapter 10, we're going to be looking at verses 19 and 20. Aren't you glad that your heavenly father has showed you how to proclaim the good news? And that he will allow his words to be manifest in you? In verse number 19, Yeshua is speaking here. Remember, I've given you authority that you can now trample down snakes and scorpions, and indeed, all the enemy's forces. And these enemies are not other people out on this earth who oppose the gospel, the good news. But the enemy is our ultimate enemy, and he's one individual. He has minions that are following him. They're called demons. But that enemy is Hasatan, Satan himself. He's our true mortal enemy. Everyone else there that comes against us, though they walk in human flesh, they're being used by Hasatan, by his influence. And we're not to fear them whatsoever because God has given us the power and authority to deal with them by the equipping and the anointing of his Ruach, his spirit. So continuing here, remember I've given you authority so that you can trample down snakes and scorpions, indeed, all the enemy's forces, and you will remain completely unharmed. Nevertheless, don't be glad that spirits submit to you, but be glad that your names have been rec recorded in heaven. Is that not important that our names are recorded in his book? Just think the day 
the moment that you accepted Yeshua Jesus as your Redeemer, as your Savior, your name was inscribed in a book in heaven. And you were washed by his precious blood. And at that moment, you were engaged to Yeshua as his future bride. And I know for us guys, it's a hard thing to, to kind of wrap our head around. But that's the relationship. He's the head. And that's why Yeshua said to us husbands, if you're blessed to have a wife, that just as Messiah was willing to lay down his life for his bride, which he did, we should do likewise. And it's his character that we should be following. So now as we continue here, Mark 16, 17, and 18. Those who trust in the good news can expect God's power to work through them. Verse 20 says that this is the promise that was fulfilled. Anciently, and numerous modern instances may be found as well. Even th through centuries of anti-supernaturalism, predispose Westerners not to believe in it. They just think, well, it's just a bunch of hocus pocus. But what did Yeshua said? These will, will happen for those who are about the Father's business. On the other hand, there have been very, very extreme sects. And I spell that S-E-C-T-S. Not that other word, because sometimes people hear something else. And we see in America that there's still very, very small, remote extreme groups that actually handle poisonous snakes in their services. I say this to you, the Lord never had that in mind to prove your faith because you're not to presume on the Lord. You're not to go and jump off a building and say, well, the angels will pick me up. What did Yeshua say when Hasatan brought him up on the pinnacle of the temple? He said, simply throw yourself off because it's commanded he will support you. What did Yeshua's response to him? You shall now put the Lord your God to the test. And so we have balance in this. The Ruach HaKodesh has us do things, the Spirit of living God, has a step out of our norm and out of our comfort zone, but he allows us and equips us and holds our hand that we would do everything that's honoring to the Father. So going forward here, Luke, a little deeper in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. You can now trample down snakes and scorpions. This was a preview of the messianic age, which accompanies Yeshua's return in glory to rule on earth. Notice that that's not the rapture. That happens afterwards when he lands upon the Mount of Olives and then he goes through the Golden Gate and he establishes his kingdom. Then he's going to put the whole earth both man and animals, in its proper order. And so this speaks towards that future time. This is what it says in Isaiah chapter eleven eight. It says these words. The suckling child will play on the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's nest. And where is that found? But in Isaiah, Yeshiahu, 11, verse 8. So now going forward here, the latter part of Luke chapter 10, verse 20. But be glad that your names have been recorded in heaven. 
See, that's the most important thing. How many people today, they have signs and wonders or they pretend to have signs and wonders following them and they want you to follow them. And then the next thing they ask you is, hey, please send your sacrificial giving, right? When Yeshua sent out his Talmudim, his disciples, he said, freely have you received, freely give. We're not to merchandise the kingdom of God. And how many men and women are now billionaires who have private jets and they go all the way around the world because they're robbing their fellow brothers and sisters in Messiah. God will have them give an account one day. He will bring his righteous justice. They are to be out there freely giving. And as Rav Shaul gave us this example, he was a tent maker. He had the opportunity to pay his own way so that those struggling brand new house fellowships that he was establishing of both Jews and Gentiles could flourish and they could receive freely. Praise be to God. So let's continue here. Be glad that your names have been recorded in heaven. Judaism features a predominantly idea that the names of the forgiven are recorded in heaven. Liturgy, which we'll be doing on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Teruah, the Jewish New Year, the Feast of Trumpets, includes a prayer being written in the book of life. And on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, liturgy, nine days later, has a prayer for being sealed in the book of life. The idea being that the decision is made final on that day. And so with this, let us now turn to the book of Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter 20. And we'll begin on verse uh, number 7 and 8. Revolution, Revelation chapter 20. Verses 7 and 8. When the thousand years are over and the adversary, and who's that? Hasatan, Satan himself, will be set free from prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is countless as the sand on the seashore. And they came up over the breadth of the land and surrounded the camp of God's people. The city he loves, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. The adversary who had been deceived was then hurled into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beasts and the false prophet were, and they were tormented both day and night forever and ever. Now I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it, earth and heaven fled from his presence. No place was found for them, and then I saw the dead, both great and small, standing in front of the throne. Books were opened, and another book was opened, the book of life. And the dead were judged from what is written in the books, according to what they had done. The sea gave up its dead in it, and the death and Sheol gave up the dead in them, and they were judged each according to what he had done. Death and Sheol were hurled into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was hurled in the lake of fire. Now a comparison to this is this. 
the bride of Messiah, when Messiah comes, the dead Messiah who are resting in the grave sleeping, they will rise. He's coming back in the clouds with their soul and their spirit. Instantaneously, he will, the command will go forth and they will rise up, their, their, their fleshly bodies. And they will go and they'll meet the Lord in the air. And when they, they come together instantaneously, they will receive their glorified bodies. We who are alive at that time, if the Lord tarries, because I don't know, I might not be here next Shabbat. You never know when the time the Lord calls you home. But I have nothing to fear. But those, as the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, it says this, that those who are alive at that time shall then ascend and meet the Lord in the clouds and they will receive their glorified bodies. No more suffering, no more pain. We shall forever be with the Lord. But what is this speaking about here in Revelation chapter 20? This is every person that's ever lived is resurrected after the thousand millennial reign of Messiah. And what takes place there? This is what takes place there. They are then giving a body that's imperishable to the point that it will never die. But that were they cast into the lake of fire, where its fire will never go out and their pain will never cease and they will not be in the presence of the Lord. This, these words should inspire us without fear or trembling, without considering hatred or reproof from our own family members, including our neighbors, our coworkers. We should be telling them the truth of what God's plan is. There's only one way to enjoy the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach, and your brothers and sisters in Messiah. And that's through Yeshua himself. And for their names to be inscribed in the book of life. The Lamb's book of life. There's no other way. There's no purgatory. There's no more second chances. Once you die and you're a non-believer, you will face this judgment. And so that should embolden us in our hearts. Do we truly believe what God's word says? Or is it simply, well, he'll kind of fudge it later. God, when God says something, he means it. His own character will not allow him to change anything. What he said is going to take place. Otherwise, all the books in the Bible are not true. If on one aspect of a prophecy from the prophets of old or the, the apostles of old have not spoke exactly what the Lord has said. And that's why Yohanan John gave that warning in the book of Revelation. If anyone adds or takes away from this book, so shall be added to him the plagues that are in this book. This is a very, very serious matter the word of God. It is the most important book. This book, whatever translation you have, it does not matter. But this book, the Bible, has God's words and truth. Are you meditating on it? Are you memorizing it? And are you sharing it? 
That's what all the kingdom is. That's why God is giving you and I grace to even live on this earth. Otherwise, instantaneously, once you and I receive Yeshua, Jesus, as our Messiah, we go immediately in his presence. Yes, we face trials and tribulations on this earth. But they're nothing compared to what Yeshua said about that seven-year tribulation. He's coming back for us. Undeniable. But are we about the Father's business? This should give us the desire and there are times, you know, when we get lackluster in our hearts, we have, we don't, we see those who have veils over their eyes, both in the Jewish community and the non-Jewish community, as enemies, because they don't uh, agree with us politically. Everything political, push it aside. See that person as lost as you once were. And was, did not the Lord allow someone to come and speak into your life and manifest the, the godly character that now dwells within you? See, we will have no excuse. We have to be about our Father's business. That's what the kingdom's all about. Leading others to Messiah, allowing them to see the evidence to think on their own with their own minds, to allow the spirit of the living God to come upon them and convict them of their sin so that they can show true fruits of repentance and see that they're at a total loss. You and I were once there at a total loss and hope without the Lord's intervention. And once they have that full recognition of what the Lord is doing in their lives. Then they have the opportunity, the free will to choose him or not. But know this, that the Lord has sent his son and God has chosen everyone. But God will never go against our own free will so that our names will be inscribed in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So back to verse number 8 of Acts 28. Now it so happened that Publius's father was lying in bed. And he was sick with fever. And attacks of dysentery. And Shaul went into him. And he prayed, placing his hands upon him and he healed him. Going deeper now. Yeshua often laid his hands on people and he healed them. Where do we find this? In Mark chapter 5. And beginning at verse number 21. Mark chapter 5. And verse 21. Yeshua, Jesus, crossed in the boat to the other side of the lake. And a great crowd gathered around him. And there came to him a synagogue official, Yair by name, who fell at his feet and pleaded desperately with him. My daughter is about, is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. How did he know to do this? 
He heard of the reports. He may have been at these places in the past. He received many eyewitnesses reports about this country rabbi that was going about proclaiming the kingdom is here and he was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. He was cleansing the lepers. And so he was willing to step out because he knew that the physicians had done all they could. But he heard about this country rabbi that had God's anointing. And at least it was worth a try. Let's continue. He went with him and the large crowd followed, pressing all around him. Among them was a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had suffered a great deal under many physicians. She had spent her life savings, yet instead of improving, she had grown worse. She heard about Yeshua, and so she came up behind him in the crowd, and she touched his robes, clearly grabbing a hold of his seat. Going forward here. For she said, if I touch even his clothes, I will be healed. Think about that trust and that faith. I just got to touch the guy. He doesn't have to lay hands on me or push me to the ground as some of these faith healers do today. But I just simply have to touch him. And I know that God will heal me through him. Instantly, the hemorrhaging stopped. She felt in her body that she had been healed from the disease. At the same time, Yeshua, aware that the power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His Talmudim responded, You see the people pressing on you, and you still ask, Who touched me? But they didn't fully understand, did they not? They're still learning, just like you and I are learning. And that's why it's important that we spend time in God's words so we'll actually emulate what the Lord did. Going forward. Verse 32. But he kept looking around to see who had done it. The woman frightened and trembling because she knew what happened to her came and fell down in front of him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said, your trust has healed you. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. But many of us from a Western background, we don't fully understand this. In Jewish culture, she was only seen at the depths of a leper. Why? Because she, her body could not stop bleeding. And she was ceremonially unclean. Think about that. You walk up to a rabbi, you grab a hold of him. You've now made him ceremonially unclean unclean. But Yeshua, because he's God, could never be ceremonially unclean because he has the healing power within him. Instantaneously, as the scripture said here, as soon as she touched him, she received her healing. There was no transference of any sickness or disease. Let's continue here. Verse 35. 
While he was still speaking, people from the synagogue official's house came and saying, your daughter has died. Why bother the rabbi any longer? Can you imagine? Have you had a loved one die? And you heard the news? You can remember where you are, what's happening, and all these things. Grief is beginning to fill his heart. But what is his response? Ignoring what they had said, Yeshua told the synagogue official, don't be afraid, don't be afraid keep trusting. There are times when you and I, we run to situations and circumstances in our life. It may not be with where we need a healing touch from the Lord. It can be other things, a decision in our life. Who do we inquire? Do we just take the bad news? Have you ever been uh, called into the manager's office and asked to sit down and say, your services are now no longer needed here? I've experienced that myself. I knew it was happening. Three, four years, they were letting other people go. And I told my wife, I said, one day they're going to ask me to come in and my services are no longer needed here. She said, that'll never happen. I told her that three years earlier. Eventually it happened. I came home. She said, what are you doing home so soon? My services are no longer needed. But I said, the Lord is my provision. So continuing here. Don't be afraid. Just keep trusting. He let no one follow him except for Kepha, that's Peter, Yaakov, that's James, and Yohanan, Yaakov's brother. When they came to the synagogue official's house, he found a great commotion with people weeping and wailing loudly. That's normal at a funeral, is it not? People are grieved because they, that loved one, this young girl has died. On entering, he said to them, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's just asleep. I shared last week, and I need to enter this now because the Spirit gives things in your mind. You have to share it. What is the age of accountability? Some people say with, with, with adults who have minds of children, their age of accountability continues through all their life here on earth. Some Bible scholars say the age of accountability is could be 12, even up to age 19. And you can debate about that. But the Lord knows. The Lord knows what your intents of everything you think about and every action that you do on this life. And that's what he judges, the things that you and I cannot see. And so with this, he said, this is Yeshua. This is God's representative here on earth. He does not say that she's dead. He says what? That she's simply sleeping. I believe this, that any person that has that mental faculty of a small child, my mother was one, they do not have the capability and the Lord gives them even more grace. He deals with their sin, absolutely. But he gives them grace. A child as a parent or a grandparent, you know this, when you catch a child doing something 
that's inappropriate, I'll let you fill in the blanks. We don't need to today. God gives us the empathy to see that child and to know when that child is broken inside and they're hurting because what they've done is that they've lost confidence in your eyes. But we're there to restore them, right? To let them know what they've done is inappropriate, but yet to let them know they're not condemned, to reconcile the relationship. And so with this, it speaks here about this young girl sleeping. No different than what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 4, verses 13 through 18 that says that those who put their trust in Messiah and they've died are simply sleeping. When you and I die, immediately our soul and spirit go in the presence of the Lord. As Rav Shaul said, absent from the body, this physical body, then we're immediately in the presence of the Lord. And so with this, he declares that they are simply sleeping. And so now as we go forward here, this child, I believe, put her trust in the one yet to come. She would attend synagogue. How do you know that, Rabbi? Well, her own father, is he not the official? The synagogue? Don't you think that she was taught about the promised prophet? the Mashiach, the Messiah that would one day come and to put her trust in him. That goes all the way back to the patriarchs. Even further, all the way back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Chava, her name means life. Our mother. Do you believe in evolution? Or do you believe that every man, woman, and child on this earth has yet one mother and one father? Well, technically, Rabbi, are they not my family? Absolutely. What if they have a different pigment of their skin or different color of their eyes? There's only one true race. It's called the human race. And all our blood is red. And we have one mother and we have one father. There is no prejudice. Otherwise, you're hating your brothers and sisters who have descended from the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. I pray that God would set people free of their prejudice when they see a person that appears a certain way or looks a certain way or says a certain thing, but to have empathy and compassion upon them. Because the Lord has allowed them to cross your path so that you would be there to proclaim the good news and the hope that's in you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So her believing and all the patriarchs that died, believing in the promise of the Messiah yet to come, put their faith and trust in him. And that's why Job said this, I know my Redeemer lives at one day. My eyes shall see him. See, it's all there. So going forward back to the scripture here. He says, she isn't dead, she's just asleep. And they jeered at him. 
But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those with him. And he went where the child was and taking her by the hand, he said, Talita Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And once the girl got up, she began walking around. She was 12 years old. Everyone was utterly amazed. And he gave them strict orders to say nothing about this to anyone. Then he told them to give her something to eat. Think about the humility. Here he's God in human flesh. He could have this whole synagogue following after him. But that wasn't his intent. It was for them to receive the good news. The manifestation of power. It's being manifested in his life. Think about this. How old was the girl? She was 12 years old. So God had ordained for this woman to suffer this for 12 years, the whole length of this young girl's life. And he allowed this girl to go to sleep so that Messiah could raise her up and plant a seed in the, the official of that synagogue. The veil was slowly being removed from his eyes so that he could see that this wasn't simply a country rabbi. This was the Mashiach, the Messiah, in his midst. Praise be unto God. And now let us continue. In Mark chapter 6, write down. Then Yeshua left and went to his hometown. And his Talmudim followed him on Shabbat. He started teaching in the synagogue. He didn't teach at First Baptist Church, Rabbi Frank. How the immaculate heart of you fill in the blank congregation? No, why? Because they didn't exist. My brothers and sisters, Messiah from the nations, you've been grafted into the commonwealth of Israel. You co-heirs. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So then on, then Yeshua left and went to his hometown and his Talmudim followed him, his disciples, on Shabbat. Not on Sunday, Rabbi Frank? No, it says Shabbat here. He started to teach them in the synagogue, not mocking people for meeting on Sundays. It's a blessing of people can meet seven days a week if you can. Every day is holy to the Lord. But are we living it that way? And many who heard him were astounded. They asked, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that he has been given? And what are these miracles work through him? Isn't he the carpenter? Just the carpenter? The son of Miriam? Why didn't they mention Yosef, his earthly adoptive father? He's not around. He's sleeping in the trust that the one that was actually given to him, remember Gabriel that warned him, Miriam is still pure. Take her as your wife. For what has come upon her is the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, undeniable before him. 
So going forward here, isn't this just the carpenter, the son of Miriam, the brother of Yaakov and Yoshi and Yehuda and Shimon? And aren't his sisters here with us? Wait a second, Rabbi. Are you saying that Yeshua Jesus had half siblings? Absolutely. Here are their names. And wouldn't the townspeople know what Yeshua was all about? That he was served as a carpenter? He probably fixed things for them, made things for them. That was the family business until his heavenly father said, now go and proclaim the kingdom. So going forward here. And aren't his sisters with us? I would like to have a private conversation with the apostle Mark. And this is what I ask him. Why didn't you list the sisters? And you know what he'd say to me? Frank, just as I am a servant of the God Most High, and so are you, when the Lord says you to do something, are you not supposed to do it? Absolutely. But what about when he tells you not to do something? Are you not also today? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to meeting Yeshua's sisters. Might be two or more that are in heaven in the future. Think about that. We'll be able to have conversations with Yaakov and Yossi and Yehuda and Shimon. And you know of these two brothers here? They also wrote books. Who is Judah but Jude? And who is Yaakov but James? So going forward here, aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. But Yeshua said to them, the only place people don't respect a prophet, notice that Yeshua is calling himself a prophet, which he is the greatest prophet who ever lived, is they don't respect a prophet in his hometown or among his own relatives, in his own house. So he could do no miracles there other than laying his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed by their lack of trust. Here they'd seen him grow up before them. And that they said, has anything ever good come out of Nazareth? Did not some of the other apostles say those same words? Absolutely. Did not the Pharisees and the scribes speak about that also? Absolutely. That was all part of the process that he had to deal with. Now let us continue to Mark chapter 16, verse 18. It's best to repeat scriptures so we are able to memorize and know them. Actually, I'll back up to verse number 12. After that, Yeshua appeared, Jesus appeared in another form to them, of two of them, as they were walking in the country. They went and told the others, but they did not believe them either. Later, Yeshua appeared to the eleven as they were eating, and he 
He reproached them for their lack of trust and their spiritual insensitivity in not having believed those who had seen him after he had risen. Then he said to them, as you go throughout the world, proclaim the good news to all creation. Whoever trusts and is immersed will be saved. Whoever does not trust will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who do trust. In the name they will in my name they will drive out demons, speak with new tongues, and not be injured if they handle snakes or drink poison. Heal the sick by the laying of hands on them. So then after he had spoken to them, the Lord Yeshua went up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. And they went out and proclaimed everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the message with accompanying signs. Who was that word given by? The greatest prophet who ever lived, but Yeshua himself. Has he ever lied to you? Has he ever misled you? Absolutely not. His character, his godly character, will not allow him to do so. And here we'll continue now in Luke chapter um, 4, beginning at verse number 38. Here we're going to examine how Rav Shaul, the very recipient of one who's laying hands on others, is giving the power and authority to heal others. And so in Luke chapter, excuse me, Acts chapter 4 and verses, no, you're right, I was supposed to be in Luke chapter 4, 40. I'm jumping ahead of myself again. I apologize. No one's snoring yet. That's a good thing. Luke chapter number 4, beginning at verse 38. Leaving the synagogue, he went to Shimon's house. Shimon, who's Kepha, Peter's mother-in-law, was suffering from a high fever. And they asked him to do something for her. So standing over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. She immediately got up and began helping them. After sunset, all those who had people who were sick with various diseases brought them to Yeshua. And he put his hands on each of them, and he healed them. Also, demons came out of many crying, You are the Son of God, but rebuking them, he did not permit them to say that they knew that he was a Messiah. Why? Because God desires that the demonic realm, even though they may occasionally speak a truth, they are continually lying. Just like Satan tried to twist scripture to tempt Yeshua. If you're listening to a demonic spirit that comes as an angel of light, how do you know the difference? The Holy Spirit, the Ruach, and God's word will reveal to you what they've said or what they've shown you whether it is of God or not. Aren't we encouraged in the scripture to test every spirit? To test every teaching? Does it line up with the word of God or does it not? And who's that responsibility? Us as individuals. You're not to be led by so-and-so. Because so-and-so is as flawed as you are. And they make mistakes. 
both knowingly and unknowingly. We're to search the scriptures to know whether or not that person is sharing what builds the kingdom and is of God or not. So now we'll continue here in Acts chapter 9 and beginning at verse number 10. And we'll end on this today. Acts chapter 9. And we'll begin in verse number 10. As I was beginning to say a little bit earlier before I jumped ahead of myself, that this is when Rav Shaul had been breathing threats against the Jewish community, and he went up to the high priest and received letters, orders to arrest anyone who were followers of the way. And who's the way? But Yeshua, the way, the truth, and the life. And he experienced something on the way. But God desired to heal him. And so going forward here, in Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse number 10, Acts chapter 9, thank you. I appreciate that. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. There was a Talmud in Damascus, Hananiah by name. And in a vision, the Lord said to him, Hananiah, wait a second. Who gave the vision? The Lord. How he knew this? Because he recognized it was the Lord that was giving him this vision. Let's continue. He said, here am I, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to Straight Street and Yehuda's house and ask for a man from Tarsus named Shaul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has saw a man named Hananiah coming and placing his hands upon him to restore his sight. See, Rav Shaul has been humbled. He has seen Yeshua, his Shekinah, his divine presence at midday, brighter than the sun. And now he's listening to him because Yeshua has begun to remove the veil from his eyes, but now he's allowed, as what says the scripture, like scales to come over his eyes so he can see the full revelation that when the Lord speaks, he manifests himself in a certain way. He gives him the details. Just like when the Lord sends you out, he may give you an address, pops in your mind, inquire if it's of the Lord or not. If you're to go there, it may be the enemy coming and putting something to deceive and lead you astray. And so he gives them these details. We should focus on these details here. There was a Talmud in Damascus, Hananiah by name. An individual, the Lord said to him, Hananiah, he said, Hear my Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to Straight Street. Notice he didn't say, um, If you have any spare time today, Hananiah, I know you got a lot of chores to do. Your wife's been asking you to do this and that, but possibly maybe you can go and do this, run this errand for me, if you have time. Go to Straight, go to straight Street, to Yehuda's house, and ask for a, a man from Tarsus named Shaul, for he is praying. I'm glad he 
didn't say there he's scheming, he's planning to arrest you. And in a vision, he has seen a man named what? Hananiah. I've given him your name. And he's coming to place his hands on him to restore his sight. But Hananiah answered, Lord, many have told me about this man, how much harm he has done to your people in Jerusalem. What people? The Jewish people who came to put their trust and faith in Messiah Yeshua and they're part of the way, walking in his way. And here he has a warrant from the head koinim, the head, head high priest, to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said to him, go. Have you had the Lord say go to you and you just hesitate? Or you question? Notice the Lord didn't send a lightning bolt to end Hananiah's life. He didn't cause him to stop breathing. There's grace and mercy. But when he says go, it's time to go. Because this man is what? My chosen instrument. Wait a second. Hananiah doesn't start. What? But, but, but aren't we supposed to judge people by their fruit? He doesn't get in an argument. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name to what? To the nations, even to their kings and to the sons of Israel as well. For I myself will show him how much he will have to take classes, go to the school of prophets, send $600 in so that he can now be an official apostle of the NAR. Rabbi, you're going too far. These things must be said. Continuing. For I myself will show him how much he will have to suffer on account of my name. Has it been all a rose-covered garden for you? Once you came to know Yeshua is your Messiah. Have you not had to die daily to your own desires? Have you had to give things up, even relationships, so that he would be foremost in your life? For I myself will show him how much he will have to suffer on account of my name. So Hannah and I left and went into the house and placing his hands on him, he said, Brother Shaul, the Lord Yeshua, the one who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here. Was Hananiah there to witness? No. But those are the details that the Lord gave him. Has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with what? The Ruach HaKodesh. The Spirit of the living God. Not that he will simply come upon you, but you will be filled with him. See, the prophets in the Tanakh, the Spirit of the living God came upon them at certain times. But they were not filled with the Ruach. Going forward here. We're in verse 18. And in that moment, something like, when the Bible says like, it means it's like something. Okay? 
It's similar to. It's not exactly. Something like scales fell away from Shaul's eyes and he could see again. And he got up and he was immersed. Then he ate some food and regained his strength. We close today. Blessed be the name of the Lord.